It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll right get now, through the it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we're going to head all over the place during our three-hour tour this morning, coming up in the third half of our uh, three-hour tour. We're going to talk with um, Dirk Smiley, who's the uh, author of a uh, new book called The Business of Tomorrow, The Visionary Life of Harry Guggenheim from aviation and rocketry to the creation of an art dynasty should be uh, pretty interesting stuff in the middle the second hour of our three-hour tour we're going to talk with uh, we're going to talk about triangle of treason which is a new spy action novel based on Bermuda's true role in World War II by um, Bob Richards Bob Richards will be joining me he is a former minister of finance for Bermuda so that should be interesting, but we're going to start out this morning talking about green jobs and the impact of uh, uh, the potential Build Back Better uh, Act legislation and, and so on with um, my guest this first hour is from E2. She is their Midwest advocate, Michaela Preskill, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Michaela. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Um, tell me about E2. What, what is E2? So E2 stands for Environmental Entrepreneurs. 
And we are a network of business leaders all across the country. So, um, you know, our members from sustainability directors of Fortune 500 to CEOs of, you know, mid-sized clean energy companies um, have one thing in common, which is uh, that they believe that the environment and the economy are inextricably linked and that policies that support our environment build our economy as well. So we advocate at the state level um, for strong environmental and clean energy policies that we're gonna that will grow jobs and build our economy, and we advocate at the national level as well, um, which is why we're very involved in the Build Back Better Act. Well, let me let me uh, ask you this: I, I've been doing this show for eh, thirteen, almost fourteen years. And I remember when I first started doing this show, there was still a lot of controversy about whether or not climate change was real and whether mm-hmm. or not it was man-made. Now, it seems that, by and large, people on both sides of the aisle agree that there is, in fact, climate change going on, that it is, uh, well, that it, if not all man-made, man certainly... Uh, humans certainly have a significant impact on its uh, growing and so on. Um, And and the conversation seems to have shifted to, okay, what do we do about it? Are Are we talking enough about what needs to be done? Um, well, I think a lot needs to be done. And, and, you know, and more have, importantly, is it talk or are we doing the things that need to be done? Well, that remains to be seen in Washington, <laughs> D.C. literally this week. I mean, Tom, we couldn't be talking about this at a, at a better time, honestly, because the House of Representatives, I mean, you know, so there has been for many months debate in Congress around the Build Back Better agenda which for the record would have historic investments impacting climate change. And, you know, we can get to what's in that and why it's so historic, but just to, to you know, um, highlight why today is a very important day is because on Monday, President Biden signed into law the bipartisan infrastructure plan. Yeah, this show is based in Michigan, and he was just in Michigan yeah. yesterday. Um, Whipping around in a Hummer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And uh, no, actually, wasn't it a a hybrid or an electric vehicle? It was an all EV Hummer. Yeah. And he um, and and he was talking, and and he's still promoting and and maybe taking victory laps on the passage of the infrastructure bill. Um, Is that? Working to set him up for passage of the Build Back Better Act, that seems to have, his momentum seems to have slowed down. Um, well, I think I think it is working because today, just this morning, that House of Representatives announced that they're going to start debate on the Build Back Better Act. And we're hearing that there will be a vote possibly tomorrow or early Saturday. Um, and that's going to be the win. Does it have to go to the Senate then, or has it been to the Senate first? It will have to go to the Senate. Okay. There will undoubtedly be some changes, and then it will go back to the House. 
Um, but that's not to downplay that this is a pretty momentous step um, for the House to start debate and to be voting as early as tomorrow. Well, you mentioned um, that there's a lot in it that has to do with uh, uh, green jobs and, and green energy. Um, yeah. In the process of, of becoming more sustainable, is that is there a potential for a lot of job loss? I mean, certainly there are people in the coal industry and in you know other parts of the fossil fuel industry that are saying all these jobs are going to be lost, but are they going to be replaced by manufacturing and development and services related to uh, other kinds of energy and, and more sustainable methods of producing energy? Absolutely. I mean, the Build Back Better agenda will be a boon for job creation. Uh, and, you know, not only will it create millions of clean energy jobs, and we can say that with, with, a, with a lot of certainty for a few reasons. One is that there's already a real robust clean energy industry um, and that touches every corner of the country. So we're building off a strong foundation. But also, when we see policies, and, and history has proven this, um, when we see policies that drive investment in the clean energy industry, it creates jobs. I think the other part of the, this piece is that, you know, the Build Back Better agenda is going to be necessary for America to really maintain its competitive edge. And that is going to be good for our economy, which is going to create jobs. And probably the biggest threat to future job creation, as it stands right now, or our economy as a whole, is climate change. I mean, climate change is costing our economy $100 billion this year alone, with predictions to be increasing every year moving forward. So by actually just tackling the issue of climate change, we are preserving our economy, let alone setting it up to be growing in and becoming cleaner and more resilient. You know, the COP26 uh, International Climate Summit uh, that just happened recently in Scotland got a lot of news, but, but are you happy with the outcome of that? And, and can you tell me what COP stands for? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. What does COP stand <laughs> I, for? I don't know, and I, you know, I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Michaela. I've talked to a number of people who are, you know, working full time in in climate related issues, and I haven't found anybody yet that can tell me what that stands for. Well, you know, I have a I have an advantage because I happen to be sitting in front of my computer, so. Google tells me that COP stands for a conference of the parties, um, which makes sense because all the world leaders have are convening. But that's so funny. We're so used to just saying COP that, um, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't sure either. Um, but but to answer your question, I mean, I think that um, the work at the international level really matters. What happens before COP and after COP? I mean. The Paris Agreement set us up with ambitious goals for our planet. And now that America's back in, 
like that is going to be the um, guiding star for our international action. What happened at, at COP this week was hammering out some of those details. Um, so it's a little bit less, um, you know, it's a little bit less dramatic. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we're headed in the right direction. I think that, um, you know, there's only so much we can do as a country and as a country whose leadership matters immensely for global action without action in Congress. So, you know, obviously in my work, very involved in climate change and, um, you know, actions we can take to advance clean energy. But I was mostly paying attention to what was happening stateside, um, even with COP going on, because the, the Build Back Better agenda is going to be the real win here. Well, and one of the things that um, that I find really interesting is E2 has been studying and researching um, and analyzing some of the data that's that's coming out. And one of the things that I find really interesting is that uh, clean energy jobs are split almost equally between Republican and Democratic uh, congressional districts. That's right. That's, yeah. that's pretty that's pretty amazing actually. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing for a few reasons. One is there is nothing partisan or political about clean energy jobs. You know, they aren't blue state jobs, they aren't red state jobs, they are American jobs. And what that says to me is any member of Congress who votes against clean energy and climate action is voting against clean energy workers in their district. That's and the first thing. The, the, the second... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say they're voting against uh, economic development in their home district. Exactly, exactly. The second thing is just how immense this industry already is. You know, it's like we're not talking about creating something that doesn't exist. We're talking about building on a foundation. There are 3 million people that go to work each day in clean energy. And these are like real, good-paying, um, you know, a lot of them blue-collar jobs that touch every corner of the country. You know, I want to talk some more about this report, and, and I also want to talk about... Um, rural and suburban versus inner city. Uh, but mm -hmm. I have to take a break here, Michaela. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Of course. Yeah. Ex excellent. My guest is uh, Michaela Preskill. She is uh, the Midwest Advocate for E2, which is uh, short for Environment Entrepreneurs. And um, we're going to let our broadcast partners at 92.1 LPFM our Voices Radio Flint squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. Um, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We're going to talk some more about clean energy and clean energy jobs with Michaela Preskill from E2. Right after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We're talking about uh, green jobs with the uh, Midwest Advocate for Environmental uh, Entrepreneurs, Michaela Preskill. Michaela, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. Happy to be here. Um, Michaela, just before the break, I had mentioned uh, a, a recent report um, that analyzes some of the data re- with relationship to uh, um, green jobs. And one of the things that I found kind of interesting is that they seem to be doing better in, in rural and suburban areas as opposed to inner city. And usually when there's something trending, it trends in the big cities and then spreads to the suburbs and, and the uh, in the rural areas. Um, why is it going in reverse? Well, um, it's, it's not so much going in reverse as much as these jobs are in both places. Um, like if we just look at Michigan, for example, I mean, not surprisingly, the majority, um, well, there's about 113,000 clean energy jobs in Michigan. About 50,000 of those are in the Detroit area. Um, but about 22,000 of them are in rural areas of Michigan. So what that says to me is that when we're investing in clean energy, that money and those jobs and that economic development isn't just going to the big metro areas, but it's listing all boats, um, and it's impacting rural communities as well. And, you know, the clean energy industry is – it's really diverse. So when we say clean energy, we're talking about energy efficiency jobs. So people going into homes and, um, you know, retrofitting windows, appliances, or the manufacturing and um, the manufacturing of energy efficiency appliances. Um, Or we're talking about of course, in Michigan, advanced transportation, Um, you know, the manufacturing of electric, and hybrid vehicles. Um, so we're talking about lots of different types of jobs that um, are either in you know manufacturing hubs or there wherever people are, where people are living, where people are working. Um, that's one thing that makes this industry unique uh, because it really can you know when we invest, the benefits um, are really spread out broadly across the economy. I just thought maybe it was a, a lot easier to power a farm with wind and solar than it would be, for example, uh, a high-rise. Well, um, you there's certainly more land on a farm, and there's a lot of solar development. I mean, in Michigan in particular, there's a lot of solar development happening on farms. Um, but there's there's opportunities to build solar on rooftops in cities. There's opportunities to do some of this energy efficiency retrofitting in cities. Um, so I think you know there's there's really opportunities um, in both rural and urban. What is there a place in in all of this? Uh, uh, sustainable energy development for 
nuclear it, you know it it runs so clean and and is so efficient except for that pesky waste problem mm-hmm. yeah and our clean energy jobs do not count nuclear because that pesky waste problem is a, is a big one um also the the cost of nuclear can be really prohibitive for for you know larger scale and new development um but so and and the reality is is that we have a path to a clean energy future that doesn't include nuclear it's just we need the ambition to get there Michaela one of the things that you do at at E2 is work with businesses encouraging them to adopt uh, greener policies and practices. What are some of the things that that businesses can do to help reduce their carbon footprint, um, but also um, I want to get your feedback on how accepting businesses are. They've been kind of the holdouts in early discussions about this. Are they adapting to the the idea that these things must be done pretty easily and what kinds of things can and are businesses doing? Well, I think that for the vast majority of businesses in this country, they're seeing the threat of climate change and they're seeing it as exactly that, a threat. Uh, You know, I mentioned this earlier, but climate change costs our economy $100 billion. And if you were a, you know, just earlier this week, I was talking to one of our members, and they're a big um, manufacturer of food products in Oregon. And they had to shut down production for two days during the summer heat waves when Oregon was over 115 degrees. Um, And, you know, they just could not continue operations in this new climate that they had never experienced before and never had to in their 40 years of operating. You know, Detroit businesses are dealing with flooding. Um, And, you know, 100-year floods are now happening on a regular basis. So for the vast majority of businesses, um, the climate action is an economic imperative. And I shouldn't even say vast majority. For our economy, for all businesses, climate action is an economic imperative. Now, of course, there's some very vocal business organizations like the Chamber of Commerce, obviously the fossil fuel industry, that are saying that climate action is too expensive. But they're not looking out for the health of our economy. They're looking out for their tax bracket. And um, I think that's a really, really important distinction here. Um, Let's talk about the timeline a little bit. During the last segment, Michaela, we touched on the... uh, Paris Climate Accord and uh, COP26 in Scotland and the fact that the U.S. Mm -hmm. is now part of the Climate Paris Accord again. We've rejoined that effort and goals have been set. And the president came back with some recommendations and some goals. And and my my question is this. We hear from, from the U.N. and from the various partners in the Climate Accord, um, these timelines about, well, we must do this by this date. And the question is, um, 
are the things that we're doing, the shorter-term goals, like, you know, the, pre- the president talked about being at uh, about half the carbon footprint of um, uh, pre-pan- not pre-pandemic levels. Um, I can't remember what he compared it to, but by the year 2030, which is coming right up. I mean, eight years yeah. is not a very long time. And what I'm wondering is, do taking the steps, do these smaller goals, um, does it does it extend the time we have? Do you no. know what I, Do you know what I mean? I, I I didn't ask that question very elegantly, but um, you know I'm I'm used to hearing doomers talk about you know by by 2050 we're all going to be wiped out, and and what <laughs> I'm wondering is if we if we can we push those those doomsday predictions back by taking small incremental steps along the way and is there time to get it all done in time right well yes and yes (laughs) well that's that's good i thought you were going to pull an economist answer on me and say (laughs) yes and no or on this hand or on the other hand no that sounds like good news I mean, here's what I'll say, though, is that we must act boldly now. Congress must act boldly now. I mean, and just to back to the question you asked right before this, is like, what can businesses do? I mean, businesses can do a ton, but individual business action is not going to be enough. We need a whole-of-government approach, and we need that now. And the good news is, is we are so, so close to making a historic step in that direction with the Build Back Better Act. Is there, enough, is there enough in the Build Back Better Act to make significant differences, or is it just what we think we can pass now? So um, it's what we think we can pass now, but it is a and, not but, and it is a huge step in the right direction. We will still have to do more. But it will be a massive step forward and will lead to huge amounts of development in clean energy, manufacturing of clean technologies and clean vehicles, billions invested in new clean energy startups um, to keep America competitive with China and Europe and the rest of the world that are already doing that. You know, it will help weatherize homes, which will not only put money back in people's pockets, but also use less energy um, in our homes and our businesses. And so um, it will be a huge step in the right direction, and we'll still have more to do. But we certainly will not be able to hit our goals of cutting emissions by 50% without this, this step, hopefully, that passes the house this week. How much of a role can technology play? How much is it playing and how much can it play in making the kinds of uh, adjustments and transitions we need to make? It will play a huge role. I mean, I think that, um, I think so much of the technology that we need to um, rapidly transition to clean energy, we have, and it's just about the ambition and the policy and the and 
and moving in that direction. But we will still need to innovate for sure. I mean, I think the classic examples of places we need to innovate are battery storage. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, kind of anecdotes, though, about the need to innovate quickly is think about what your cell phone looks like five years ago. It, 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 you're asking so, the wrong person that question, Michaela. <laughs> my cell phone, phone five years ago? I still have a flip phone. Oh, my goodness. Huh? <laughs> it's the same phone I've had for 10 years. Um, <laughs> okay, well, then you know exactly what a cell phone looked like 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, so don't tell me that we can't innovate. We can't innovate quickly. Um, no, that's true, because I know people that line up every year for the newest model. Right. Exactly. I make fun of um, them, but I know them. <laughs> so I think that you know we will. So the techno we have the technology we need to be start to start this bold transition to be transitioning and you know sprinting forward um, as fast as we can go. And I think the. It's, you know, certainly the Build Back Better Act takes into account that we will need to continue to invest in new technologies and, and startup companies, and, and that's all part of the package. There's a certain amount of, of um, infrastructure improvement in this first bill that was just signed on Monday, the yep. uh, infrastructure package. Um, are the the infrastructure changes? I know there's there's some stuff for technology, um, but are the infrastructure changes that that we're going to see unfolding over the next few years uh, as a result of that spending um, going to contribute to improving conditions with regard to climate change? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some great provisions in the infrastructure package. Uh, you know, for Michigan alone, we're going to see over $100 million in the um, construction of EV charging stations, which will be huge for bringing more EVs online, allowing consumers to, you know, make the choice to, to transition to EVs. Um, and, but... The overall bipartisan infrastructure package, it's not a, it's not a bill to tackle climate. Um, and, you know, we... No, but part of tackling climate, isn't part of tackling climate looking at everything we do going forward with that in mind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, but it's also about um, transitioning to a new clean energy future and, you know, the the policies that are going to, well, okay, so so also what's included in the infrastructure package is, you know, billions for grid modernization, um, electric buses, um, there is support for clean energy innovation, and so, you know, I don't want to downplay any of that, that's all big successes, but um, we, we know that we need to do more. And there's a lot more in this next wave if it can get through Congress. Exactly. And what do you think the chances are? Is it looking pretty good, like like the votes are basically there with a little bit more wrangling in both the House and the Senate? 
I think so, yeah. I mean, um, we are certainly very optimistic about the House um, and think that there will be a vote as soon as tomorrow. It's a good sign that debate is starting this morning. Um, obviously, we've had a few uh, hurdles in the Senate, but, um, you know, the we have the the bill has gone through a lot of negotiations and um it's not the same thing that we originally started with there's still a lot um that we're extremely excited about in it and i think we're closer than we've ever been before and we just got to get this thing over the finish line did um efforts to improve climate change take a big hit or a, a, a larger hit than some other aspects of the Build Back Better Act in those negotiations? Um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that climate fared any worse than any other aspects of the bill. Okay. I think that, yeah, there's, there's a lot that's in the current Build Back Better Act for climate. And um, I think that, you know, whether it's extending tax credits and investments in new companies, weatherizing homes, um, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big win. What is the most important role for average Americans to play in, in moving forward? You said that they can't make the, the big changes and, and that even businesses can't, that it really is going to take a, a full government push. But what can Americans do to make the load a little lighter? Well, the most important thing Americans can do is talk to their members of Congress. You know, even if you don't have... Um, even if you don't have a key swing vote that, you know, is representing you, your member of Congress needs to be hearing from you. They need to be hearing that this is important to their constituents, that the climate aspects and the clean energy job creation is going to be important to their constituents. Um, and that's what's going to keep this thing going and getting it over the finish line. Can that still make a difference or, or is it, as we often hear, all about the money? You mean? Uh, I'm talking about are, people influencing their their representatives, their people in Congress and the Senate. Can when they hear from constituents, does that weigh as heavily as when they hear from some of the big money people? Well, they their constituents matter, and um, that they need to hear from more constituents. You know, perhaps it's not a perfect one-to-one -one, um, ratio, but they are, I mean, at the end of the day, their constituents vote them in and out of office. So if, if you're out there wondering if your call to your member of Congress matters, the answer is it does. And if you're worried about that one call alone making its own impact, tell your friends to call too. Tell your neighbors to call as well, because... At the end of the day, your member will, their job depends on you and your friends and your neighbors voting them to stick around. 
they need to know that this is something that you care about. Are there some good resources where people that are listening to us, Michaela, can find out more about what we're talking about? And I, and I mean other than Facebook and Twitter. Totally. Well, first off. <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious about that. But, but I, I, I always wonder, you know, people are so distrusting of public officials and the science and experts and so on. But are there some, some good trusted resources where people can learn more? Well, first of all, definitely check out E2's website, E2.org. And you can check out E2.clean jobsamerica.org um, to check to see the map that we've been talking about today that looks at all the clean energy jobs in all 435 congressional districts, which is just a really cool snapshot, to, you know, to like visualize what we're talking about today, which is like, where are these clean energy jobs and what do they mean for our communities? So that's one resource. Um, and there's also just a lot of information on our site about uh, you know, responding to what's happening in Congress and this, our position that the Build Back Better Act is going to really build the economy. Do a lot of clean energy jobs require any special skills or skill sets? Well, it's a really diverse industry. So a lot of the jobs are highly skilled. Um, a lot of the jobs are... Uh, you know, can be filled by people with a high school diploma and, you know, and get trained on the job. That actually brings me to something we haven't talked a lot about, which is in the Build Back Better agenda, there's in real investment in workforce training and bringing these jobs that we know will be created by the agenda to communities in need. Um, and so it's not just about creating a job. It's about connecting these jobs with communities and giving them the training to really become careers. Um, so I think there's, there's, I mean, <laughs> the risk of sounding a little cliche, there's a job for everyone out there. Well, I'm glad we touched on that because, you know, where my show is based, this is one of the areas around the country that's been really hard hit by changes and relocations of uh, manufacturing, specifically automobile manufacturing. Um, yeah. And, and so... It's it's kind of like there are people that used to know how to build cars, and now what are they, you know, what are they good for? What can they do now in this uh, new and emerging um, technology? And and that's why I wanted to touch on that. And thanks, Michaela. I I, I think you uh, answered that very well. In fact, thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning and sharing some of your thoughts and observations and some of the uh, analysis being done by E2. Well, thank you so much, Tom. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Well, Michaela, keep up the good work. Thank you. Take Will care. do. Bye-bye. That was Michaela Presco from uh, Environmental Entrepreneur. She's their Midwest advocate. And uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to let our broadcast partners at WFOV 92.1 LPFM Flint, Our Voices Radio, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. 
If you are streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. we got lots more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his daddy's knee He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel And said, goo 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 That's not the right verse He was only six months years old, wasn't he? Tommy, the real, the ethnic, you know the real version When John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his daddy's knee Daddy picked him up, threw him on the floor, said, this baby's done wet on me. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Oh, one more chance. One more chance is all you get. See this pin? It says, think ethnic. You gotta think ethnic and sing ethnic to ever earn this pin. When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee, he picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said, this hammer be the death of me, Lord, Lord, hammer be the death of me. Yeah, when John Henry was just a little tyke, he picked up a piece of steel and a hammer it seemed like he knew all the time, down deep inside, that he was going to work on the railroads. And there was a big story waiting for him to arrive on. Why well, was a little boy used to go around hammering on things. His daddy bought him a little hammer. Let's go around hammering the tables and hammering the fixtures. <laughs> we used to get a licking all the time. We'd go up and hammer on the front door. Hammer on the chairs. Yet as John Henry grew, he grew in size, and he grew in stature, and he grew in his mind, his horizons grew. He started going out and got a bigger hammer. Started walking around town hammering things. Hammering trees, people's fences, the fire hydrants. Why John Henry could just go around hitting one fire hydrant with one whop, whop. Yeah. All the dogs in town hated John Henry. <laughs> well, the whole story goes is that when he grew to full size, he could drive steel on the railroad, drive those spikes in the ground faster than any ten men. 
People started talking about John Henry. Probably the fastest man that ever drove steel on the railroad. And the whole story of John Henry really starts the day the captain told John Henry something. John Henry said, tell me something, Captain. <laughs> then the captain said, John Henry, I'm gonna bring me a steam drill round. I'm gonna bring me a steam drill out on the job. I'm gonna pop that steel on down, Lord, Lord, pop that steel on down. Sure enough, next day they had a steam drill out on the job. Big red steam drill, shiny smokestack sticking up in the air. Well, they had old John Henry over there, muscles rippling in the sun, sweat running off in gimlets. Ringlets. Well, the captain, Head of all the railroad workers looked over at that steam drill and smiled. Then he turned over and he looked over at John Henry. Those beady little eyes. He snarled over John Henry. Hi there, John. <laughs> well, John Henry didn't say nothing. Just spit on his hands, picked up those two nine-pound hammers, walked slowly over towards that steam drill, spit on the steam drill. <laughs> then went over and spit on the captain. <laughs> so it got to be about 12 o'clock starting time for the race. Every railroad man in the county was out there that day because they knew if John Henry lost that race, they were all out of a job. Well, it got to be starting time for the race. John Henry is up there at that starting line. That steam drill was up there at that starting line. Big smokestack sticking right up in the air. A little bit of spit on it. <laughs> well, the captain walked up to the starting line. I swear you could hear a pin drop that day. He took out his pistol and pointed it up in the air. John Henry spit on it. <laughs> Actually, this was about the greatest race in the history of man. The race between a man and a machine. He pointed that pistol up in the air and shot it off. Bang! <laughs> that started that race. Oh, <laughs> oh,
the steam drill was going on the left side And John Henry hammered on the right The steam drill made ten feet, John Henry only three Then it hammered John Henry out of sight, Lord, Lord Hammered John Henry out of sight <laughs> Hammered John Henry out of sight Oh, Lordy Yeah, that's right John Henry lost that race Dumb smart I thought he could be a steam drill. <laughs> what a thing for crying out loud. John Henry said to the captain, to the captain, by God I ain't no fool. Before I'll die with a hammer in my hand, I'm gonna get me a steam drill too, Lord Lord. Get me a steam drill too. Get me a steam drill too, Lord Lord. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Now, when a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus And if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it then we're all gonna die If we don't do it then we're all gonna die And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized Oh super bad transmittable contagious awful virus If we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine the last until July A super bad transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Tom Sumner, program.com. From the Tom Sumner Show. We're trying to do a radio show down here.
It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.